Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting day in the markets. I know when I looked at them earlier in the day, there was some green on the screen. Saw a bit of a pullback within the trade today. We're going to start out there as what has happened in this grain complex today. Mike Zuzalo joins us. He is with Global Commodity Analytics. And as we look at this pullback, what is your thoughts on the trade? You know, Susan, I feel like the trade's pretty well balanced right now. We came in this morning and uh, had the European news hitting the news wires, talking about the wheat in uh, Paris making on the futures market, hitting a new 14-year high on talk about real issues with the weather in Australia and also in uh, potentially Argentina, but really Australia and Canada are the areas that everybody's really nervous about right now. And I think this is where it goes back to the the price got up to that 14-year high, and then the export sales came out. And when I saw the wheat export sales, yes, they were up, uh, you know, 40% from the previous week and 21% higher than the four-week average. We have been missing a lot of business. Algeria, uh, Turkey, uh, other countries have been taking on a lot more uh, tenders, and and a lot more business has still gone to the Black Sea. So I think the, the... overall dynamic given the stronger currency markets in the dollar and the weaker euro currency um, probably allowed for this pullback to happen and i think this is where the soybeans were the leader to the downside and that makes a lot of sense when you look at some of the statistics ever since the september grain stocks report some decent export numbers uh, i would think came in out last week as we look at the corn they shared that numbers no surprise mexico was on the top of the list for corn Yes, and I think this is going to continue because they do have a recovering livestock industry, and obviously we are the best place to go to when it comes to transportation and freight costs in a very sensitive freight environment because of these skyrocketing prices in the freight. And and so, you know, rail is still um, pretty competitive at this point, and getting it into Mexico is pretty easy. But kind of following with what you just talked about and, and what I looked at, since we the September 30th grain stocks report and the end of the third quarter, I've been keeping track of you know what's been rallying and what's not been rallying, and what we've seen is after that September grain stocks report and also the October WASDE and now the November WASDE, we continue to see this mindset of a tight feed grain stock supply and there's more need to ration more immediately in the feed grain sector. And you can see that in the prices while the soybeans have been able to go higher. And I've been getting some hedges uh, in place on 21. And I actually started in 22 hedges this week uh, in the uh, November 22 beans. The number one gainer since the September 30th close has been soy meal. And that's really because of lysine and the demand there and just the market overdoing it to the downside because of bean oil. But the number two gainer has been the soft red wheat and the hard red wheat. And, and then, you know, have the corn right behind that with almost seven percent gain since September. But you look at meal and you look at wheat, they're up 13 to 14 percent since the end of September. So that's the that's kind of the signal that you're rationing demand. You talk about lysine, and that's not something we usually talk about within the marketplace. But here we've got the NAFB convention going on, and there's been a lot of talk amongst the the exhibitors that were here at Trade Talk today, talking about the issue that it is and what it's going to mean to this market trade. Yeah, and I think we, if you take a step back, it's not just about lysine; it's about uh, 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 animal uh, health issues when it comes to being able to get the the right kind of vaccinations you need and the preventative medicine that you need. Susan, what we continue to talk about, you know, 18 months into the pandemic, hopefully on the back end of it now, 
is the issue with the supply chain. And I think this, what I take away from it, and I remember a meeting in Washington, D.C. last year uh, with some of the big agriculture people, and I was on there via Zoom, and I asked the question of one of the main infrastructure guys and supply chain guys, is the supply chain going to change from what I grew up and learned when I was in the factory in high school and college from, from going to building inventory to doing a just-in-time mindset. And the thought was then, no, there's no reason to do that. It'd be very expensive to do that. Now I'm starting to see where the reverse is the case. It's going to be a lot more expensive if you lose your in- inventory, you lose your customers, and it's going to be a lot less expensive if you carry a little bit extra. So I think this is a pattern that we're going to see continue through 2022, and I think that's where the bins make a lot more sense as long as you don't have big policy changes in ethanol or something like that. But I think this buying a little extra here is key, and I think actually that's what we've been starting to see in some of these grain markets already. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, China has looked obviously to other sources like Ukraine. What is it going to take to get them to come back? And earlier this week, Sue Martin and I were talking how they've kind of learned to, to buy under the radar, shall we say, from the U.S. Is that a trend we're continuing to see? Yeah, and that's going to be with everybody. I think this is where it's going to be, you know, as we lose the traditional uh, just-in-time inventory mechanism that we that globalization brought us towards, we're going to lose also some of the globalization transparency, and we're going to have a lot more opaque market because it's going to be between two countries instead of multilateral deals and things like that, I, I think. And so, yeah, I think China has picked up on that. They're using that, and I think they will continue to use that. And to me, that makes the market a little bit more simple, actually, even though you lose some transparency. Maybe you don't have the data at your hands, but I think it means the currencies mean a lot more. So if the Chinese currency is strong against the U.S. dollar versus the Brazilian real or the Ukrainian uh, currency, I think that means the U.S. is going to garner more business unless there's a transportation shipping issue that is going to come in and, and rob us from some of the business. But what we need to do as we cap off this first segment, when we talk started off with we, what we really need to do is, as our leader, we need to find some support in the demand side. We need to lose the Black Sea market in terms of them being the first go-to when there's a tender out there. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue here on the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Mike Suzalo is joining us. We'll be taking a look at some happenings on the livestock side as well. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. For over 85 years, Fontenelle Hybrids has brought consistency to Nebraska farmers. Fontenelle dealer Dusty Mim near Sutton talks about the consistency he's seen on his own farm. We run a lot of checks with competitive products to make sure that that we're offering our customers the best product that we possibly can. And time and time again, Fontenelle has has come to the plate and hit base hit after base hit. For more, just contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or look us up on the web, Fontenelle.com. Always follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labels. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Mike Zuzalo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics as we talk to you from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention taking place here in Kansas City, Missouri. So we kind of left off on, on the grain side of the complex, Mike, of what was happening and some of the influences affecting the prices. Let's flip the page and look at the livestock side as we see the ebbs and flows in this grain complex. How are the livestock handling it? 
Well, for me, I think this cattle on feed report on Friday, Susan, is going to be one of the most important of 2022. And the reason I say that is because the USDA in their most recent WASDE report says that the first quarter beef production, commercial production, is going to dip down to about 6.9 billion pounds. And then it's going to go down from there on out in both the second and the third quarters to 6.73 in the second quarter and then 6.72 in the third quarter. But the estimates for the Newswire survey of this report, keeping in mind these are going to be placements and marketings as of October, they've got placements in the Newswire surveys at an average of 102%, and the high end is 105%. So if we come in over 102% on placements and we don't see an equivalent movement in marketing's numbers, that's going to take our on-feed numbers well over 100% of last year, and those October placements are going to be shoved out into the market in May and maybe even a little earlier because we've been running a lot heavier placements, and University of Nebraska noted this, a month or two ago in the state of Nebraska especially, we're really placing heavy feeders right now in these placements, which makes a lot of sense uh, because you're trying to move it uh, because of the feeder corn spread, the feeder corn ratio. So for me, this is this report could really dictate whether I press the button hard on the hedges for Q2 and, and not just Q1, or whether I go ahead and, and give Q2 a little bit more room to go higher because the USDA production numbers are going to be more accurate and they're going to show a reduction from Q2 uh, versus Q1 beef production. You know, it's funny because I had somebody say, what is this going to mean for first quarter of 2022 if we're already placing so many cattle now? Yeah, and this is where you can't lose demand. And that's where, as a livestock analyst, you know, I have a database that I created that goes all the way back to 1979 that really is slanted towards the cattleman and the rancher. Um, but it, we're in a market environment right now because of the pandemic, because of retail prices, because of what you just brought up. Um, we really need the throughput. And I do not want a second month in a row of poor marketings. I, I felt like last month we should have been over 100%. I was wrong on that. The marketing's numbers for Friday's reports, an average of 96.3. The top-end number is uh, under 98%. So I'm hoping that that's wrong and we're actually closer to 100% on marketing's because the retail featuring report has been very strong. I mean, last week, the feature rate by USDA's uh, account was up almost 3.5%. And the special rate, which kind of is like a buy one, get one free type deal, that was up almost 9% versus the prior week. So. I want to see the marketing's number really find some support here, and that takes the pressure off what's going to happen in Q1. But if we don't see that, then you are going to sense this backing up of, of cattle, and then you're going to wonder whether the packers really want to go after it as aggressively. So is the meat counter prices making you nervous? Yeah. In fact, I, w I did some grocery shopping uh, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, for both Thanksgiving and for this weekend and went to a couple different places. I like the fact that beef is in the sh on the shelves. There's different uh, good cuts out there. The prices are just too high. Fortunately, the turkey prices are a little bit higher this year than normal. Um, but pork is really competing well with the price action, in my opinion at the meat counter, and I would guess it's really doing a better job even in the sit-down restaurants, but beef's still winning in the fast casual and probably the fast food side of the equation. But one last thing I'll point out to those people that like the charts, the, the weekly and monthly cattle charts, the fat cattle charts, both have 
a gap to be filled below the market, about $6 lower, one twenty-seven fifty. So that enters into the picture as we see these big supply numbers come in and this big report come in as well. So let's look at the other protein. Hogs have had kind of an interesting ride. Unfortunately, not a lot of revenue to the pocketbook. But Yeah, real good question because I'm really attaching a lot to the pork and the hog side to give the cattle that extra boost in price action, especially if we put down more supply on the cattle and feed report. We're really captive at the, at the retail counter, I think, Susan, and I think that's where packer margins have come down in terms of beef versus pork, still favoring the beef a little bit. But I think you could get a little bit more in the throughput at the slaughterhouses and the pork by running these extra hours. So I think beef and, and, and chicken are probably going to lose to pork as it sits right now. And I think the two things that I've noticed here recently has been the hogs have not been able to go higher because the beans have not been able to go higher or vice versa. All right, Mike, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Take a look at the product services brochure we have up there, fresh one for 2022. Sign up for a trial. Take a look around and give us a call. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.